while we have a moment, though, sticking in that division, we buried them already, but some fans had hope. Machado was holding off the elbow surgery. Had a great game the other night. They, you know, fans were going wild. They had two home runs. It's all cute, but I mean, the season for them has been done. Even if they won out, like I'll, I'll mathematically play it out, okay? When we get to the end of the season, if we look back and go, okay, if the Padres had won out, like let's say they won that extra inning game mm. against St. Louis, I bet you they still wouldn't have made it. So mm. that's why we, th- their season's been done for a while. It's really cute that they went on a nice finish like this. And some writers are like, man, I wouldn't want to face the Padres right now in the playoffs. And it's like, well, newsflash, you won't have to. But <laughs> I will say they have found themselves a pretty nice outfielder in Fernando Tatis Jr., who is a big dude. He is super athletic. He has a lot of reach. I mean, what do you, what is he, 6'4-ish, probably? Yes. He's a big shortstop. He had his pros and cons as a shortstop. We have found a position for him. That was an excellent play out there, and that's the position for him, AJ. Oh, no doubt. But, I mean, even if they would have won out, we talked about this on Friday, they would only got to 84 wins. That's probably not going to get them in. So, yeah, it's great they made this run when season was over. Way to go. The, the thing for me that it is funny is Fernando Tatis – is, is dancing around like they're won 100 games. I mean, I know it's super old school, get off my lawn guy. But, I mean, you're winning You're winning 9 nothing. It was a great catch, but you're still two games under 500. And, you know, your season has been a huge disappointment. You'd think there'd be – listen, I'm all for having fun and having a great time, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a point where you just got to, you know, put your head between your legs and worry about 2024. But, but aren't you supposed to just have fun through the rest of the season? Just, just for the counterpoint. Yeah, no, I get I'm it. No, like, I understand. Is he supposed to make a ridiculous catch, bring it back, and be like, oh, "We didn't make the playoffs." No, but he's not, <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. But I mean, I think there's there, there's more of like, not that the dancing. Listen, I'm all for having fun, and I'm yes. all for enjoying yourself. But there's also a point where you're kind of like, "All right, I'll, yeah, hey, da da da." But you know, he made it like a. It's almost like he made it too much of a spectacle about him himself you know i don't know i don't want to watching him all year i know (laughs) no i know he's always done this listen he's always done this and it's one of the things that people love about him and i love watching him play because of the energy he brings and in the fun he has but i don't know maybe it's more of just like know where you're at in the situation i don't know listen go dance go do whatever you want i just know it hasn't worked this year i I think i would say i would commend him because he is the same guy then you know, when they're winning and losing, but I, I get what you're saying. You don't want somebody, you don't want somebody dancing all over the place. If he goes three for four and you lose the game six to five. And so I get that. I, I get that part of it, but I also get the fact that the dude's got 26.2 defensive runs saved and it wasn't even his primary position until he got caught for taking steroids. Like maybe it should have been though, because he's, he's a, Badass right fielder. He, he is. is. He is a badass right fielder. They wanted him out there. Remember, there were oh, talks were about definitely... this for a while, and it made it very easy once he got in trouble, and they're like, you're in a long-term contract with us to push him out there. No doubt. You know? so no doubt. But remember, they tried to move him there. Out. Didn't they try to move him there last yeah. year in center? They put him in center for some games? I, they had talked about it for a while. Or was it two years ago? Whenever it was. Two yeah. years ago. Last year, he basically he missed the whole year of steroids and the motorcycle accident, which – is a whole different topic, but two years ago, yeah, he missed. He played center field, and then Grisham kind of came in and took over center field. But yeah, I mean, he's turned himself into a hell of a right fielder. But mm-hmm. his bat is gone cold compared to where it was. 
Like there is a steep yeah. decline for some reason hmm. to where where it was. Hmm. And that's something that he needs to figure out. But hmm. we're gonna look back and now they're I think they're nine and one in their last ten. They won I think it's ten out of the last eleven, something like that. Okay. And they're gonna take but what they're gonna do next year is they're gonna take this. Okay, in the last 162 games, the Padres have been this using these last whatever 20 Who's games. Who's going to do that? Everybody not that's going to. Not writers. Yes. Okay, writers well, are 100%. We have, one. we have one on the line right now. Let's bring them in. Especially uh, West Coast writers. And, and mm. <laughs> Giant writers. Their division. Giant writers for sure. Yeah, He's a regular size writer. right now. He is. He is. He's a regular, He's a regular sized writer. writer. But he okay. writes for the Giants. He writes for um, About the, the Athletics. Giants. About the Giants no. also does a great job hosting uh, the Roundtable, one of the athletic podcasts that I listen to um, every week. Grant Brisby joining us right now. So before we get to the Giants, then Grant, or can you represent the writers for us and tell us if they're going to look at the end of the season for the Padres and go, "Hey, that's the real Padres." Uh, probably. No. Yeah. See, he already they're wrote the article. Hater too. Or but, I just but want- Here's the thing. The Giants did something similar last year where they scrambled at the last part of the season and they got to 500. And now all year I get to say, well, they were 500 last year. Mm -hmm. Where most of the year you were not thinking of them as a 500 team. So, yeah, it does linger a little bit. Uh, see, he already wrote the article. He already wrote the article. We are, we know, we know his shtick, especially as normal sized giant writers. I get it. I like your hat, Grant. What's the hat? This is uh, the Eugene Emeralds. Uh, they have a special promotion or, or day where they're the Exploding Whales. Um, if you want uh, a really good time, Google Florence, Oregon Exploding Whales, and you'll get a, a news clip from the 70s. Uh, can't be missed. Uh, no spoilers, but you got you to do that for yourself. I think my like internet <laughs> service provider would like flag that and be like, "What are definitely. you looking up right now, you weirdo?" <laughs> definitely, the, the, AI, the AI would definitely yeah. change like, all my searches. Stop that. Okay, so first off, last week I read the article where you said um, fans should be mad. Just talking about the Giants, but why are they absolutely livid? And what would be your answer to the question that you posed? I obviously, I read the article, but for people to understand the state of the Giants fan base right now, can you guide us through it? Sure. It is, uh, it, it's angry out there. The seas are, the seas are angry, friends. Uh, it's really just this, this bitterness that comes with what the Giants are doing right now. And I, you have to look back to what Farhan Zaidi took over. In 2019, uh, the offseason of 2018, he takes over a team that has uh, a terrible farm system. And of the best prospects, they're teenagers, right? You have a team that uh, almost lost 100 games. You have a lot of veterans that are going to be unmovable. What is the timeline for that sort of team? Well, okay, you've got 2019 is going to be pretty much a total rebuild. Uh, 2020, well, you know, you before you knew about the pandemic, you're going to have a little bit more 2021. Maybe you're getting to 500. Maybe you're, you know, 2022, 2023. Those are the years that you have to start introducing those teenage prospects. You have to start putting it out in the field. I don't think this is too radically different of a timeline. I think this kind of aligns with what was reasonable to expect in 2019. The difference being that in 2021, they arrived early and everyone's expectations got reset. Uh, 
and that's the Giants you were expecting going forward. They'd finally caught up to the Dodgers, and they were just going to be like the Dodgers, 1-2 in the National League West for the foreseeable future. Uh, didn't quite happen like that. That's fine to be a little mad, but live it. I just I don't quite align with that. Okay, but we will bury them because we do a lot of hard work behind the scenes, which we could have done about a week ago at this point. There it is. And this is where, for the podcast crowd, I encourage them to watch the show on Stadium or on our YouTube channel right now. So RIP to the 2023 San Francisco Giants, um, who had a rough month of September. And I want to, there's a lot of questions here still to go, but I want to go back to, um, so I want to ask you about the superstars or the lack thereof, but to the trade deadline. I mean, how can you not say what the fuck for a team that literally (laughs) did nothing? And you can say whatever you want. I mean, this this show is full of former ballplayers. If you literally pick up nobody, what kind of message are you sending to your team about their playoff run? This is AJ Pollock erasure. We've got they got AJ Pollock for cash consideration. It was a waiver claim, Grant, and cash. Cash. It was cash considerations. Considerations. They paid for those six hitless at bats. Um, Yeah. (laughs) If you're talking about a message, yeah, you kind of, especially in the rotation, because the Giants were uh, two, three days out of every five was going to be a bullpen day. And I think they were hoping that Kyle Harrison would come up and be one of the regular starters, which kind of sort of happened. Uh, but it, it does – it was curious. It was very curious to say the least. Now that we know that they were going to absolutely mess the bed in September, hey, they, they kept all the prospects. Uh, good for them, bully for them. I don't know that there was someone who could have turned this season around. I don't know if – I was a big Jordan Montgomery advocate, and he's done pretty well for himself in Texas. I think that would have helped. I don't think that would have – helped them contend as of right now. They needed a hitter, and there just weren't any hitters that that changed hands at the deadline. Wait, so you're saying nobody at the trade deadline would have blipped the radar. What if Aaron Judge or Carlos Correa happened to have <laughs> been on this team? Would that have pushed them over? Because you just you didn't you didn't bring up anything about the lineup. You talked about they're starting they're starting bullpen pieces all the time. Yeah, no, they they definitely needed another hitter or two or three or four. Uh, look, Carlos Correa didn't have a great season for the Twins, but he would have been an improvement over Brandon Crawford. He would have been an improvement. Uh, even the meager, you know, 700 or whatever OPS he's got would have improved on what the Giants put out there uh, from the shortstop position. Judge, listen, they're, they still think that they had a shot. They really don't think that they were uh, used as the stalking horse. They think that they had a, a good shot. They put a competitive offer down. I, I just, again, what the Giants have had to do is build through free agency, which is a terrible way to build a team. You cannot build through free agency. You have to, uh, that's the cherry on top. You have to have that robust organizational strength. And then when you see someone, you can go, oh, okay, yeah, that's the perfect missing piece. To do what the Giants have done over the last several years, which is build a rotation entirely through free agency and getting Gossman and Alex Wood and Desclafani and having it work, that's bananas. And it's also unsustainable. 
What they need to do now is get those hitters, get Luis Matos, get Marco Luciano, get Tyro Estrada in the prime of his career and turn him into something that's a little bit more. Get that. And then you're not as worried about the, hey, you know, we, we screwed up on Michael Conforto. Oh, man. Oh, this didn't work out. This didn't work out. So they need to do better there, but they also can't build a team through free agency. They do need a star, though. Uh, and I don't know when they're going to get one, whether internal or external, but it, it's clear that the fans are hungry for someone to, to kind of put in a pedestal. So, Grant, which one is the real Giants? 2021, they beat out the Dodgers, won the division, and in the last two years they've kind of fallen back to where you said was okay. So is this is Farhan on the hot seat? Is that a, Was that a blip on the radar? Is, are we, dare say, Gabe Kapler's on the hot seat? Like, they have more coaches than any team. They have more resources, I believe. Than, I mean, they throw everything into this like analytics, platoon, whatever you want to call it. So is it Farhan possibly on the hot seat? Gabe Kapler on the hot seat? Like, who's to blame for 2021 being good and then 2022 and 23 being eh? The owner of the Giants, uh, Charles Johnson's kid, Greg Johnson, uh, he's said publicly that the Giants are going to – they're committed to his idea. They're committed to Kapler for at least one more year. So I'm not sure about hot seat, uh, but they're not not on the hot seat. This season was incredibly dull. Uh, I would think it would be more Zaidi than Kapler because Kapler – look, he's managing a team and he's doing platoons and he's doing these things that drive fans drive fans up the wall like he's going to pinch hit Jock Peterson for J.D. Davis in the fifth inning and do all this hyper matchup stuff. Uh, but that's what he's given. That's the clay he's been told to mold. He's been given a flawed roster with a lot of pieces that only work if you use them in certain ways. And I think that the problem isn't necessarily how they're being used, but the pieces themselves, they've overlooked what these players aren't doing right uh, to focus on what they are doing right. A lot of times it's the opposite problem with, with bad front offices or bad teams. You forget about what players do well, right? And you just ignore that part of it. The Giants kind of have the opposite problem. They'll have uh, one tool player and the four tools just completely negate that one good tool. But the one good tool, hey, it works. And if you platoon and you do this, it works a little bit. That's anxiety more than it is Kapler, in my opinion. And if Buster Posey were still around, is there still a Buster Posey lingering effect of him not being around? Because he came back in 21. They win. He gone. Like, <laughs> like Yachty. I'm saying like Yachty because we gave, we gave the Cardinals a really hard time for people not picking up the slack for losing Yachty or Molina. To me, I think it's a very similar situation because you're talking about a Hall of Fame catcher, and I think there is a lingering effect there, but you're there more often than I am. No, it, listen, if there's one lesson from the, the shortened season in, in 2020, it's that you cannot underestimate how uh, or overestimate how important Buster Posey was to the Giants because they had a he opted out of the season uh, a little bit on the on the later side to, to really prepare going forward and they had Chadwick Trump and they had Tyler Heineman, both rookies, uh, both kind of scraped up uh, from the minor league for agent market. And it was a bad season defensively behind the plate. You don't have a field general. Uh, obviously they're not giving you the offense. And then he comes back and has uh, close to an MVP kind of year uh, in 2021. Yes. Last year, it was a big deal that he was gone. It was, you could just feel it with every, every game, every game he was gone. Uh, and you just, 
you are missing his defense. You're missing his steadiness. This year's a little bit different uh, insofar that if there's one thing that's going right for the Giants, it's Patrick Bailey. And Patrick Bailey specifically as a defender, specifically as that kind of field general, specifically for his his pitch framing is, is otherworldly. Uh, he's leading in all sorts of defensive metrics, even though he didn't come up until the end of May. So, yeah, Buster Posey. I'm not going to say that Patrick Bailey's already Buster Posey, but if there's one thing that's gone right for the Giants this year, it's that they found a catcher for the, the long term. He, so Patrick Bailey is like oh for what is he like one for like his last sixty or something I don't know what the number is. <laughs> I mean it's it's listen he's a young kid he's probably he's never played this much I get it you know defensively he's off the charts good but at some point you know you're talking you're comparing to Buster Posey Buster Posey also hit three hundred with a lot of big homers so so we'll, I, I get it you know oh they but Joey Bart was you know Joey Bart was supposed to be that guy Joey Bart didn't work out there's a whole slew of things but we, we don't need to talk about that because that's whatever but here's the thing. You said they need a star. Who the fuck do they go get? They're not. Are they going to sign Shohei? They're not going to sign Shohei, surely. No. Right? Do they? I mean, I know Pete Alonso's name's been rumored to get traded there, possibly. But do they go make that? Is that that big of an upgrade? I mean, I know he hits homers, but his 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 you know average and all that is not that great. I mean, what what can the Giants do? And if you say they're not willing to trade their prospects, they who who can they possibly sign to be that star? Because they're going to have to go out and trade for it. And you're saying they don't want to give their prospects, so they're kind of stuck. Yeah, it's it's a real tricky situation. I mean, they, yeah, Otani's not going to sign. Listen, I, I will write 732 articles uh, talking about the possibility, and it's going to be really good for business. But they're not going they're not going to do it. So uh, who do they get? I, man, I just don't see who is out there. You don't if you don't get Otani. It's like Michael Conforto is going to opt out this year because the free agent market is so thin. That's how dire it is. There is no plan B in free agency. Uh, I mean, if someone comes up, if Juan Soto comes up because the Padres are doing rebuild number 4.0, yeah, I don't think the Giants are adverse to trading prospects. I really, really don't. Uh, I think that they would trade. They were going to trade Marco Luciano for Sean Murphy in the offseason. Uh, but the ace said no, they preferred the Braves package. So they're not they're not prospect hoarders. You know, they didn't trade them at the deadline because they didn't see the right fit, but they're not sitting there hugging their prospects too close. Uh, I just don't see who is out there. Pete Alonso, yeah, he pushes the envelope a little bit, and you're talking about a guy who you can sell and, and put on billboards and say, come watch this you know, big, beefy slugger, hit a ball 450 feet. That'll play. That'll play. Uh, I don't know what the Mets would want in exchange for him. Uh, I don't know what his market price would be one year before free agency, but that would play. That's not a bad idea at all. I honestly, I don't expect the Giants to get a star for star's sake. I really don't think that they're uh, internally thinking the same way that the fans are thinking or thinking like the writers are thinking. They're going to make the moves that make the 26-man roster better. They're going to be prudent about it, and they're going to just kind of do their thing as they've always done it. So they're going to be a large market team running like a small market team. You have to explain. You have to explain to me why the Giants, because you're out there. Why would the Giants not be in on Shohei? What what is what am I missing? Oh, they're going to be in. It's it's more about Shohei. Uh, trust. They're going to offer him. I mean, you know, nine figures. They okay, might a billion dollars. No, no, no. They're they're <laughs> going to be. They're going to be in all the way. They're going to be one of the teams that is just begging him to come. It's up to Shohei though, and he's a guy that surveyed. 
30 major league teams uh, sat down, thought about it and said, Anaheim, you know, Orange County, that's where I want to be. And no one expected that. Nobody expected that. But he just he's got his own ideas. He came over when his salary was going to be the major league minimum because he just, yeah, I know if I waited a couple of years, I'll, I'll be a multi multimillionaire, but I want to do this now. He's his own cat. And maybe he's got a fascination with something to do uh, with the Giants. The Giants have a very creative uh, plan for their starting pitchers. Extra rest doesn't bother them. They've got uh, openers. They've got uh, bulk innings guys. They can sh- they've shown that they can be very creative. Maybe that appeals to them. But you can't assume in the offseason that, oh, we'll, we'll just go to Costco and pick up the, the 12-pack of Shohei Otani. You know, like you just don't go get guys like that. It's got to be a two-way street. And if you're looking at the Giants, there's reasons. Hey, the Giants are cool, playing a cool ballpark, whatever. You know that you'd have the the area, the fan base wrapped around your finger. But what does he actually want? The dude's kind of an, an enigma, so I, I have no idea. Can you imagine Gabe Kapler with Shohei Otani and all the crazy <laughs> shit he could do? He'd be like, go play right. Now come pitch for two hitters. Now go to left. Now you're going to play first. You might catch an inning. Now you go back and pitch. Like, think about Gabe Kapler and how much fun he could have trying to fuck with the other team putting him in all these different places. Opening day, he's pinch hitting for himself. Like, just all I mean, sudden, like, Shohei, go up and pinch hit. But I, it's my spot in the the order. It's like, well, get the platoon advantage. Turn it around, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And Gabe would say it with a deep voice. He'd be like, yeah, ho, Shohei. I've loved how his eccentric <laughs> personality and I've used his skin creams. And I think there's a lot of things that we could do with his, with his environment that we ring with a lot of grounding and he would like petting our puppy that we have in the dugout <laughs> Shohei loves dogs well listen the service dog therapy dog in the dugout that could work that could work that could get that could bring at least a couple fans to the ballpark that's merch right there you're selling <laughs> stuffies in, in the d- dugout store like I don't know you're onto something you're on you're hired you're, hey, you're on your many- coach now Hey, think how many pandas and giraffes they sold back when the, the Giants were rolling. But, hey, yeah. speaking of Gabe Kapler, did you see Gabe's shirt last night? Uh, I, I did, yes, yes. <laughs> I he mean, take his eyes off it. I, when he went out <laughs> to the mound at one point, I, I mean, the sweat was glistening off of his skin-tight dry fit he had on. Only person yeah. that could pull that shirt off is Scott Braun. And Scott was mad that he wasn't able to wear that shirt. I was just saying, I was like, what did he do wrong? He's just nothing. He's just living his life. No, it's just, yeah, listen, I played with Gabe. I love Gabe. But it's just such a Gabe Cowper. Most other managers have like oversized hoodies or their jersey or Tori Lavelle and Aaron Boone, do they have on hoodies because it's raining? They're all, Gabe would be out there in a short sleeve shirt like Scott Braun wears, you know, super tight, showing off his eight pack abs, walking to the mound, you know, with his cool, super cool glasses. I mean, Gabe is. I, listen, Gabe is the perfect match for San Francisco. And he's good for he, baseball, Grant, because he's, he's a handsome man. He works out. Hey, what do you want him to do? Wear the baggiest shirt and no. pants out there? No. My hey. mother-in-law, like, uh, she's she's kind of into Gabe Kapler. You know See? what I mean? Like, she's like, <laughs> I, I, that Gabe Kapler. But it, here's the thing. If you had, like, opinion polls, like, uh, like political polls, you know, you had, like, uh, approval ratings and whatnot. If you had those for managers, I bet you Gabe Kapler could – bump up like a 10 points in the San Francisco fan base if he would walk differently to the mound to get pitchers because when he's when he's doing his thing to get a pitcher and he's chewing his gum and he points like it's I don't think he knows any other way but if you're watching it it's, it's just kind of as a fan you're what is what is your 
deal, buddy. Oh my gosh. Like I've heard it from people on Twitter. It cracks me up, but he's, he's one of one, man. He's got his own vibe. He did I mean, not fit in. It. He did not fit in in Philly. Let's put it that way. Listen, when you go when you go to his office, I'm sure Grant, you've been in his office before, Ugh. and he's like, he's got the desk, the standing desk, right, with all the bikes on the wall, and he's like, let's go sit over here on the couch. It's calmer, and he'll sit you over on the couch <laughs> to talk to you. And he's got like all these Zen books out, and he's got like the shag carpet and Candace. the lighting. The lighting is a certain level, and he's like, so what do you guys want to talk about? And you're like, your team game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I get a different vibe. I get I get a, a quiet, smoldering intensity. Like I get. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no. He's definitely. You know, he's definitely. But see, I played with him, so I have a little bit. I can kind of like when I see him, I'm like, Gabe, come on, dude. Like also, those manager meetings get loose sometimes, oh. which is great. That's like my favorite part of the game when you do the manager meetings, and half the managers like, by the way. This whole conversation is off the record. Like you'll get yeah. that, you know, AJ. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. We'll suddenly you'll go off and you'll you'll get the real good juice, but they'll be like, none of that makes the air, right? But, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I have one more for you. Um, how bad do the Dodgers make the Giants look? Because that's the X factor here too. Is you know the Giants, like you said, they've been going through this rebuild, and you can do this in either Central Division and play catch up much quicker. The rebuild literally takes shorter in those divisions because most of the rest of the teams are not good. They don't spend much, right? Like Cleveland, I know they kind of went back down again this year, but last year it's like, wait, did this team even like rebuild from that last run? They're already in the playoffs again. In the West, it's a completely different story. Arizona had to go through it for a while. I know the Padres weren't good this year per se, but they they still put up a lot of talent. It's not a pushover team. And then the Dodgers are a lock for the playoffs every year. Yes, it's a major problem because Giants fans are really insecure, always have been about the Dodgers. Even after uh, the three titles in five years, you have to think about the mentality of a Giants fan where in the 60s, it was always Giants-Dodgers, Giants-Dodgers. Occasionally the the Cardinals would sneak in there, uh, but the Giants didn't win a World Series. The Dodgers did. You have the 70s where they've got this homegrown core on the infield and they're they're winning and they're doing all sorts of this impressive stuff the giants are playing on turf a candlestick with johnny lamaster and you have this kind of identity that you build up the dodgers win in the 80s the giants lose in the world series in the 80s the 90s you're getting through and it's this psychosis of giants fans the dodgers matter the dodgers success matters before the postseason run before barry bonds one of the most famous home runs in giants history san francisco giants history was when joe morgan hit a home run on the final day of the season, not to get the Giants into the playoffs, but to knock the Dodgers out of the playoffs. That was one of the biggest home runs in in franchise history to that point because it hosed the Dodgers, specifically out of Schadenfreude. Like, that's that's it. And so the Giants fans are weird about it, and the Dodgers are never going to be bad again. They're just good, and they're not (laughs) good the same way every year. They have pitchers fall into a wheat thresher, and they're still good. They have all the legal issues, injuries, all this stuff. Well, we'll just uh, put a new rookie in. Wow, he's good now. Or the rookie stinks. Doesn't matter. We've scored 35 runs. It's They're good in a way that's hard to parse, and they're always good for a decade. 100 games good. Like on a bad year. This might be one of their worst years. And what are they going to win? Like 97 games? Uh, 98, 99? No, they might win 100 again. It, they're absurd. And so, yeah, that adds to the Giants fan psychosis because it's, it's a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it is the most – 
consistent franchise in the bigs over the past decade plus by far. So yeah. that's the rivalry. That's just it's a tough big bro setting the standard right now. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I have one question. I'm not sure if we're letting you go yet, but I read an article. Yeah, you can finish here. I read an article. You wrote an article about taking your glove as an adult <laughs> to the field. And I felt like the article was kind of wishy-washy, kind of on the fence, bad, on the fence, good. I need solidified answer right here because we don't play on both sides of the fence here. Say it with your Fair chest. Enough. Can an adult bring a glove or mitt, if you only have a catcher's mitt, to the field for a big league baseball game? Listen, out here in, in San Francisco, uh, we follow the gospel of Kruk and Kipe. My Kruko, Dwayne Kuyper, uh, they, they determine what is cool and what is not. They're the arbiters of hip. Uh, they say, yeah, that you have to bring your glove. That's how I grew up. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Uh, I brought a glove as an adult and caught a foul ball. Uh, and listen, that, that, that baby just made me glow for a year. And if I didn't have a mitt or didn't have a glove, uh, I would have futzed it up. And so, you know, I, I'm in. I'm in. I don't care. L- live your own life. You know, don't let other people tell you it's not cool. But also, I've been a dork for 45 years. So it's a little bit easier for me to swallow. Dorks <laughs> rule the world, by the way. Yeah. I mean, look at me. I'm living in this palace. <laughs> I didn't say dorks were rich. I said dorks rule the world. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. We've got Bay Area superstar Raddy Telez joining us soon. We can ask him. I'm sure he'll be making fun of people bringing gloves to the game. That's, much that's fine. I'll, I'll ask him. But Dude, just him catch in. it with your bare hands. Stop. What do we need a glove for? Stop. You know that's not true. Don't. Nobody's catching. Why didn't you catch with your bare hands, AJ? Yeah. Well, because, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> 400 feet from home plate. I mean, there was guys I, I could have called Mark Burley barehanded. Yeah. <laughs> Someone clip that. Uh, Grant, thank you for coming on and uh, messing around. Wait, with hold us on, for a wait, Grant. Okay, do you remember when Kratz? Do you remember when Kratz played for the Giants? Uh, absolutely. I'm a Giants uh, backup catcherologist, uh, so I know Yamid Hod <laughs> and Eliezer Alfonso, like uh, Eliezer Alfonso. Eliezer I, I know Alfonso. them all. Wow, yeah. what a good name. Also, the right. Athletics Power Rankings, which I think Grant sometimes is a part of, right? Aren't don't you yeah. write some of those? Yep. Yeah, yeah I, nice I do bit. the. AL West and the NL West. There you go, because I read that every week, and I know it gets a ton of clicks, and Nesbitt throws Kratz's name in there every once in a while, and it was in there a week or two ago. No big deal. Whoops. <laughs> Mike, Mike Trout, Ken Griffey Jr., Mickey Mantle. Eric Kratz. It's real. That's not even a joke. It's in there for our <laughs> fan base. We talked about it a little bit on Friday. Grant, thanks for doing everything that you do and joining us, and uh, you can read his articles in The Athletic. We'll post his Twitter on our Twitter, and also does a great job each week with the uh, roundtable heads on his pod. Grant, good to talk to you, man. You got it. Thanks for having me on.